0: Great. Debate. Create. Create.
1: Okay, well, hello everyone. Hello. All you girls and gays out there, welcome to Rate Debate Recreate. I'm Sammy Purcell.
2: And I am Logan Keller.
1: And we're back for episode three of this season, and it's about to get uh, vaguely metaphorical.
2: <laughs> I, guess. I guess it is.
1: Um, but I do have a question for you. Yeah, bring it. That has more to do with my show than yours. How do you okay. feel about the Cold War? <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> um, wow. Um, Any thoughts, you know? I mean, not my favorite war, not my least favorite. I guess in terms of like, I guess it more was more of a propaganda war than anything else. So maybe yeah, it's, it's not like an actual.
1: I mean, it contained a bunch of real wars, yeah. But it's not true. real, is the thing, you know.
2: True. <laughs> yeah. As far as wars go, though, like I feel, I don't know. I feel like one of the could less be worse. Everyone, could maybe. be worse. I,
1: you know, I I don't, <laughs> don't have the facts on that.
2: on that. I don't either. <laughs>
1: well Why
2: if that didn't
1: give... <laughs> um no reason no reason at all um anyway this show is rate debate recreate um if you've never joined us before each week R- logan and i pick a show based on a category we rate that show on a scale of one to ten we debate which one is better and then we think of an aspect that we would change and try to recreate it so this week that category is not the cold war (laughs) um the category is the metaphor is the point i guess
2: question yeah interesting category (laughs) but i think you'll see what we mean
1: yes and my show is chess 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 (laughs) chess chess Chess. and my
2: show is a strange loop
1: ah see the metaphor comes into play I think yeah. that I think it works out I think it definitely think so. works out um but I'll start I guess with a little summary of chess so I'm actually not going to go too deep into this because there's been like 50,000 different versions of this show um so I only watched one of them which we'll get to later but it's basically about a cold war aha uh-huh, era chess tournament between these two grandmasters um, one's from America, one's from the United States, and one's from the Soviet Union. Um, there's like a woman involved, so they're going off to have this big world. I think it's the World Championship. Don't quote me on that. They're going off to have this big tournament, and one of them, I think this woman, um, is his manager. I'm not sure. Manager. They're sleeping together probably, but she also like falls in love with the other one. But he's married. Surprise. So there's all this like sexual politics going on um the protagonists, the two chess masters for the most important part they're technically not supposed to represent anybody real but they do um so freddie who's the american is very loosely based on bobby fisher um and then the russian is anatoly and he is based on apparently like two different russian grandmasters victor korchnoy and anatoly karpov sorry if i've got any of those names wrong but anyway the show is basically meant to reflect like the cold war tensions in the 1980s um so chess is very like manipulative it's a game of minds and so tim rice um and the two guys from abba <laughs> benny mean, tim curry No, I do not mean
2: Tim
0: Curry. Maybe you mean Tim Curry.
1: (laughs) Um, I do not mean Tim Curry. But the two guys from ABBA, um, Benny and Bjorn, I don't know if that's how you really say his name, but that's how I've always said it, um, of the pop group ABBA. As I said, they did the music and um, Tim Rice did the book and the lyrics. So that's pretty much what Chess is. I'm going to give Chess... First pan of the season, five out of 10 oh, oh,
2: thank Reagan God.
1: doctrines.
2: <laughs> Sammy, I was really worried you were going to be a chess fan.
1: I am not a chess fan. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I have listened to the music before and I do like a lot of the songs, but actually not even a lot of them. I like a few of them. Sorry, Tim Rice. <laughs> um, and sorry to the ABBA guys. I don't know what's happening. Um, but I just, it wasn't my favorite, which I'll get into, but yeah, yeah five out of 10.
2: Okay. Well, I'll, I'll actually. I'm I'll just. Let's switch things up. I'm going to give my review right now of chess. Okay, go for I'm, it. I'm giving chess a four out of ten. Okay, I perfect. Um, i We'll get more into this, but I just think while we're on the topic of the metaphor is the point, <laughs> like. There has to be a point.
1: (laughs) There has to be a like a like like, plot mechanics must make sense. Characters must make sense. So
2: lost in its symbolism and metaphors, I feel like it ends up not saying anything. And I do think that the music, when it soars, it's really great. But a lot of times, it also doesn't. Okay, that's my thoughts. Yeah,
0: Yeah. we'll talk about it (laughs)
2: Okay, Strange Loop. So um, Strange Loop is currently playing on Broadway. Uh, just have won, seen. Yeah, I just saw right. it a few weeks ago. It just won Best Musical. Um, and also because i I was realizing this is the first time we've done a show that like is on Broadway still, but like is still recent, you know. So because of that, I'm gonna try my best not to give spoilers. Um, just mm-hmm. like in respect of the show and people that like are probably gonna see it that are listening. And if I do, I definitely will say like some kind of spoiler warning and you can skip, skip
1: ahead. ahead hit that yeah. 10 second button
2: yeah exactly <laughs> um but my spoiler free summary of strange loop uh, so strange loop is a musical about a queer black man named usher um who works as an usher at lion king it's not king. actually usher though <laughs> it's not that we know of <laughs> um, Maybe he, it works is. At, <laughs> he works as an usher at lion king on broadway um and in his spare time he is writing a musical about a broadway usher writing a musical (laughs) about a broadway usher writing a musical and so forth and he gets trapped in this strange loop of self-hatred along the way there's a lot 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 more to the story but like i said don't want to focus too much on spoilers or give anything away because i think Mm -hmm. the way the plot unravels is, is really fascinating and um yeah so i'll leave it at that for now um, I am going to give Strange Loop a 10 out of 10 wow. big black queer <laughs> ass American Broadway show.
1: Amazing. Okay, so I guess full disclosure, I um, do not live in New York City and I have not seen a <laughs> Strange Loop, but I have listened to the music quite a bit. So just like based on the music alone, I'm going to give it an eight out of 10 mm-hmm. because I think the music is really, really interesting and i think he makes a lot of or i'm i'm not sure who wrote it actually yeah um that's a good question but i think michael r uh,
0: jackson's his name
1: okay so i think he like does a lot of very makes a lot of really interesting choices with tone um like the inner white girl song Mm -hmm. i like i remember like kind of seeing that title for the first time and being like oh this will be hilarious and it's a lot more like I mean it's funny it's still got funny yeah. stuff but it's a lot more like um kind of solemn than i like thought it would be in serious yeah. and he does that like quite a bit which i found very intriguing and i thought it was very good
2: yeah um for what it's worth i think i think you're right to give it an eight out of ten music wise mm-hmm. and that's not at all me saying that i don't like the music because i think it's wonderful but it's,
0: it's, so good. it's
2: yeah. <laughs> like i felt the same about it i thought it was like good but not great until I saw the show. So yeah. um, I think the show, <sighs> seeing it itself, adds like so many levels of dimension that you can't get from the music alone.
1: Yeah, oh, I wish I could see it, I'm very jealous.
2: Well, I guess you'll just need to come um, visit me and I have a spare bed for you to stay in.
1: I would, honestly, I've been really jumping to see the Into the Woods.
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, okay. like used to say I could afford that? Probably not.
2: <laughs> Who knows? <laughs>
1: i think they're gonna extend it anyway, yeah we can, it's
0: looking we can like talk that.
1: About that later it's a whole deal <laughs> anyway so let's move on to some discussion about chess You can start with chess yeah so i just kind of wanted to run through like what's going on here um so tell <laughs> a- me <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> do my fucking best but I watched the 2003 concert version of this um starring a very baby Josh Groban I think he's like 20 or 21 or something um and it's a really studied cast it's like Adam Pascal, Julia Murney, Raul Esparza living his best like discount MC life <laughs> Norm Lewis is in it um and Sutton Foster which was a delightful surprise I was like oh she's here <laughs> um basically kind of a rundown of the history of chess in the 1970s tim rice is like the cold war there's something there (laughs) um and he and this this is what i want to see he and andrew lloyd Webber have this idea for a musical about the cuban missile crisis (laughs) but they never do it i would love to see that
0: Guys, yeah, come I on. Have that. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know, honestly. <laughs> Sounds like kind of explosive, pun Checkers. intended. Yeah, Checkers, <laughs> the musical. <laughs> and later Tim Rice is like, chess. That's like a because also I'm not making fun of him. Chess just was like just a big deal. Gambit. Yes, he had just seen the green and he was like, that's amazing.
2: Annie <laughs> <was inspired> by <laughs> like, Any Taylor Joy? She's slain. Yeah. I'm
1: inspired. Um, but so. But chess was like a big deal, speaking of the Queen's Gambit. It was like a bigger (laughs) deal, I think, now than it it was then than it was now. It is now. If I can get my words right, if that makes sense. Um, so he's like, ooh, like I could make the Cold War come to life through chess, because it's all about like political, like you said, like it's not about like actual boots on the ground war, even though there were different wars during the Cold War. It's about like political machinations and manipulation. And chess is all about manipulation see the queen's gambit so he had this idea to sort of base it on the world chess championship of 1972 which was bobby fisher i mentioned before and boris Spassky, who's not one of the um, grandmasters that apparently um anatolia is based on but whatever so basically like quick rundown of this to give some context for chess Boris has been like the champion for quite some time and like the Soviet chess school is like in charge of chess on an international level and he's like facing political pressure from the USSR society to like keep winning meanwhile Bobby Fischer is like I mean like it's like Adam Pascal's like this in the 2003 concert version and the character Freddie is sort of a dick like he's like a big brash American douchebag basically and Bobby Fischer is kind of like that like he was like a really big deal. Like when he won, he ends up winning the world championship in 1972. And he was like on the cover of sports illustrated, like he was a huge deal. And he like famously, I don't really know how chess works. So if I get the mechanics of this wrong, please everyone tell me, but I guess there's like a, this idea of chess, like you play matches and like the first person to get to a certain number of points wins. And he was like really, really critical of that because he thought it encouraged draws, like ties, which I don't really understand all of that. But he was very like anti-tying, it seems like, which feels very American to me. Like yeah. Americans like watching soccer. Winner, and baby. Like, fuck off, <laughs> I mean, can't end it a tie, you know? So he, I wouldn't actually encourage anyone to read his Wikipedia. It's like very interesting. He seems like a very interesting, he had a very interesting life. Boris, on the other hand, so this kind of gets into what happens in chess with Anatoly defecting, which I'll talk about, but Boris like immigrated to France in 1976, so it's like a few years after this, but he came back to Russia in 2012, and is like a huge Russian nationalist now, like maybe some anti-Semitism going on with this guy, like just, he's still alive, I think. Anyway, so just like not a lot of great things going on. (laughs) Back to like Tim Rice coming up with this idea. He's like Andrew Lloyd Webber. Do you want to write this this chess musical with me? And Andrew Lloyd Webber says, oh, "I can't really do that. I'm writing this musical about cats." <laughs>
0: <laughs> so
1: that's like a crazy sliding Let doors moment.
2: Just for cats. <laughs>
1: the right cats. Honestly, he made the right call.
2: Yeah, I guess.
1: <laughs> like, think about what's more popular. What's made him more money?
2: Yeah, okay, sure,
1: He's sure. made a lot of money off of cats um and then Tim Rice's friend suggests the ABBA guys because they're like we want to do things outside of ABBA and Tim Rice is like hell yeah I love ABBA <laughs> let's do it um, so they were, <laughs> literally that's what he said that's a direct quote um so they release it as a concept album and then it goes to the West End and so now I want to talk about like the differences between the West End production and the Broadway production and then we'll talk about 2003 and then I'll get into my critiques of everything <laughs> so in the first act of the West End production we have a tournament in Murano Italy so Freddie and Florence so Freddie's American Florence is the woman I mentioned earlier who's like his manager they're also sleeping together they arrive um in Murano for the tournament and he's like the big chess champion at this point and he's like a really big dick like he assaults a journalist and stuff and Florence and him like get in this big fight about it. And then they go to the match and Freddie ends up like walking out of the match because he like gets really angry about something. It turns out it's like some plot to try to get more money. There's this very shady finance guy. This is a very confusing show. There are people yeah. who I, I did not know who Walter was until I read the Wikipedia and I'd watched it already. So <laughs> but, um, anyway, so. Florence is like pissed off with Freddie um she is in the British version. She is British, but she was born in Hungary, so she has like some very strong feelings about Soviets. Her father was like taken prisoner when she was a young child. he might be dead. who knows She has like a lot of strong feelings about this stuff, and Freddie's always like bringing up her dad against her, like calling her soft on Sovietism or whatever, and being like, <laughs> "How could you do that to your father? He's like a really big asshole um so she breaks up with freddie like over this or like dumps him as a client like over this blow up that he has Um, and she meets anatoly inexplicably falls in love with him somehow don't really understand what happens there but she does um and then anatoly wins this big like championship tournament and like immediately defects for reasons unexplained to me anyway so second act comes and it's like a whole different tournament in Bangkok, I believe. Yes. Turns out, like everyone's back together. Like Freddie comes back, but Freddie's like the spokesman. He's not playing. He's like a spokesman in the British one. He's like the guy in charge of like narrating the tournament. So he's narrating Anatoly's the defending champ. Florence comes with him. All of a sudden, Svetlana um anatoly's wife shows up didn't know he had a wife was never informed of that at any point (laughs) um she shows up and she's part of some like big conspiracy to get him to come back to the USSR like they've been living in France or something um eventually like they're trying to rope Freddie in as like the runner of this thing to try to get anatoly to like throw the game for some reason They told Florence her dad is alive, like to try to get her to like throw the game. But eventually Freddie is like, no, don't throw the game, play the game right. And Anatoly wins, but he still leaves to go back to Russia. And then Florence is told, actually, we don't know if your dad is alive. (laughs) And that's the end. (laughs) chess yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> i'm so sorry that i i don't seem to know what i'm talking about this show confuses the fuck out of me okay so then in 1998 in broadway it's a like very different a lot of differences so it is just about one tournament so it's like the first act is part of it and the second act is part of it and it's in bangkok instead of anatoly being the challenger freddie is the challenger in this one so Anatoly's like the champion And then the reason Freddie flips out is not for like some money thing. Anatoly like starts eating during the like tournament. So he like flips the table and leaves, I guess. I don't know. And then the weird shady finance guy is trying to get Anatoly to defect to the United States. And I don't. I guess he does. I I don't understand why he defects. We'll talk about that. I don't get it at all. Okay. And then the second half, there's like eight weeks in between and they like finish the first half of the tournament or the game or whatever. Then they do the second half in Budapest. And a lot of the same stuff kind of happens here where like they tell Florence her dad is alive and like try to like use this leverage to like try to get Anatoly to come back to the USSR, like send his wife again in there, try to get him to come back. Um, and he loses the match to Freddie and then like defects basically. So Florence can like see her father, but then like, it's not, her father is not alive again. Okay,
2: so. <laughs> that might be the most different I've ever heard of a show being so from different. West End to Broadway. Like it's I know so it's not different. to make changes or cut songs or whatever, yeah. but that's like a different story.
1: <laughs> yes. And so my thing is, so there's they do this with the so my thing is here we go 2003 this concert version basically like mushes these together so it does the british structure for the music but basically kind of has the american plot for the most part there's like a few different things um but what bugs me about this musical more than anything else besides the fact that i don't think it makes any sense is the songs from the british version to the american version are all the same they just like move them around basically but they're all the same songs and i don't think they change the words that much so the songs are incredibly vague
0: Mm.
1: like and are like i think like nobody's side is like towards the beginning of the first act in one version and at the end of the first act in the other Major (laughs) major that is a great song great song svetlana and um Florence is her name have like, they like switch songs, but like the words are the same. So they're just like very vague platitude songs are so weird to me. Cause I think Tim Rice is a really good lyricist, mm-hmm. but like these songs are so vague and like, there's no real character development in them. Cause they can just be like
0: switched, switched around, around yeah. really
1: nilly to give to like different characters there are some bangers. Like we said, nobody's side is like really, really bomb. Um, and
2: <laughs> not bomb talking about the cold war oh sorry
1: (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) um and then i love anthem i could listen to anthem like all the time i freaking love that song Mm -hmm. um and then i like where i want to be as well so there are like some good songs like to go along with this show and to be fair i think a lot of my issues like moving on to why i think this is a confusing nonsensical show Might be a product of this 2003 concert version because I was like looking through a bunch of stuff and reading some YouTube comments, and there were a lot of people who were like, Yeah, this is really vague, like, I the plot doesn't make any sense. And they had seen other versions, so they were like, This doesn't make sense, and I have not seen the other versions, so maybe those make sense, but mm, I don't think they do. Yeah, and then my other big part, and I'm going to use an example, I've already talked about how I think like. There's no like character development, like Freddie's whole character, the American guy is I hate Russia and my dad was mean to me once so now I'm a huge dick. And like, his songs are all the same. His songs are all the same from the American version to the or the British version to the American version. And his whole character arc changes. Like, in one he's like, I'm gonna help you and I think that you should win and in the other one he's like, fuck I'm awful. And like, <laughs> it's just so strange. Okay but Anatoly is like my big issue um, because I don't think it's clear at all why he decides to defect from the USSR. And like, that's like a big part of this is the whole point is that he defects and the Russian government is like, please come back, please come back. And like, I feel dumb, but I don't think I am (laughs) because like all we really see from him in the first act is he sings where I want to be, which to me feels more about like empty materialism. Like he's like, I'm this big, like I'm doing what I want to do, but like what does it mean? You know, but it, it yeah. feels like more of like a comment on celebrity and like the trappingism fame rather than like my country is terrible. <laughs> and his character description says that he like despises the propaganda and politics of the tournament, but I don't think that's made clear whatsoever. And then he sings anthem at the end of act one, again, beautiful song that is all about like, I'll never, I love my country so much. I will never leave it no matter what, but he is. And I don't know why. So it like kind of rips the power right out of that, like very beautiful song because he's like trying to talk about like love for country, but like, I I don't understand why he's leaving it in the first place. Also, I just like, no offense to Josh Grobin, who I love very dearly um, and he did play this part again at a much later stage in his life I think he's like a bit too young and Julia Murney looks like a straight up woman so <laughs> it just feels very um it doesn't like do much there's already not much going on to make me think that there's like one song and they fall in love and I'm like huh what yeah and the fact that he looks like a child and she looks like a grown ass adult doesn't help their cause um yeah I guess I should say something positive and this is the last thing I'll say um I really like how this concert version was staged
2: mm, um, yeah like we talked I about think the staging is incredible yeah,
1: we talked about songs for a new world last week and I like really didn't like the staging of that concert version but this it was so good especially the chess masters themselves with the dancers were so 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 cool yeah like the way they were like kicking each other and like falling back into each other and other people were catching them. And then Adam Pascal, when he wins, like walks out and like wipes it off. Or if he loses, I can't remember, but he wipes like the last piece off the board. Like I thought the chess sequences themselves were staged really, really, really effectively. So I do want to say that they had a very small space, but they used it like very economically, I thought, and effectively it was good. So I guess TLDR, I think uh chess is like too metaphorical for its own good, like you yes. said. Like it just sacrifices. I don't get
2: any cold <laughs> but then I also don't get any character. Like it no. feels, it's in this nebulous space in between.
1: Yeah. It really feels like I'm just watching, like, oh, Josh Grobin's singing a song now.
2: Yes. Cool. Which I love. <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I can watch great comment.
1: <laughs> I could just look up the video for yeah. Anthem and just watch yeah. him sing it on a piano, on and repeat. that's perfect. Like <laughs> So yeah that's that's what I think about chess.
2: I have a I have a take um for maybe this belongs in recreate but like I do think (laughs) an actual like a real way I think we could make chess better is a if we keep it as a musical but do it like phantom like
0: Mm.
2: where it doesn't really have to make sense because the spectacle of it all and it's like because it does have these like grand like massively grand moments that just don't hit. Yeah. Yeah. So like if you had that kind of staging with like a phantom budget, or Mm -hmm. if it was just a straight up opera. Like I think that I think that operas are able to like have a little bit less of a plot because it's supposed to come through the emotions and the singing and all of Mm -hmm. that. And I think that like I think that you could make some small adjustments to chess and, and put it up as an opera and it would be Mm -hmm. a lot better. But as a musical, again, I just think it lives in this nebulous space where it's like, the metaphor doesn't quite hit for me. The characterizations (laughs) don't really work for me. Like it kind of does everything at like a four or five out of 10. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it just tries to do a little too much.
1: I agree. That's a good recreate. My recreate's not that serious. So. It's
2: okay. <laughs> Mine's not either. So
1: okay, good. I'll have to do a serious one at some point.
2: <laughs> I have not done that in a while. God um awesome is that any other thoughts on Kahess
1: no um Raul Esparza is really sexy in this version that's my other this
2: is (laughs) one thing I'm learning from our podcast is that we are Raul Esparza this is
1: a very pro Raul Esparza podcast
2: yes agreed
1: um
2: okay well let me get into strange loop then um quite a shift both in how I feel about the show and also in what the show's about and how I think the metaphor does or doesn't land. Spoiler Mm -hmm. alert, I think it like not only lands, it like blows minds, Um, (laughs) but to start off, I just want to um, give a quick acknowledgement. I feel like I would be remiss to not discuss like the elephant in the room, which is how I view my role as a white critic of like this Uh overwhelmingly black work of art and I think that that's just something I want to be conscious of honestly I think it would I would need to have more of a caveat if I had like negative things to say about the show but really I'm about to like wax poetic about Strange Loop Um, but do just want to acknowledge that like Mm -hmm. I am definitely a Broadway goer that like this show makes fun of or Mm -hmm. or like that this show calls out. Um, and so, yeah, I Me think that's too. just like an important <laughs> dynamic to acknowledge as I'm about to like talk about my thoughts, yeah. Um, uh, but let's get into it. So I have a few stray thoughts that I wrote and then like three themes that I wanted to talk through on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but first is just kind of how like monumental, I think this show is, we talk a lot of, on this podcast about like the importance of people of like shows that, that feature people of color in protagonist roles. But I think something that we've run into a lot on this show is that when it comes to shows about, specifically about Black people, mm-hmm. um, I can only think of one show that we've done that, maybe two shows that we've done that aren't about like slavery, aren't like, you know, yeah, oh yeah, there's Black people, but they're playing slaves or, but they're mm-hmm. playing, you know, people experiencing racism in the 60s, you know, like whatever it is. Yeah. And To me, Passing Strange really is, like, the one show I think that we've done that is is a celebration of Blackness that still still deals with real issues, but um, is cognizant of, like, celebrating people, too, and not just, like, writing about the hardships of, like, oppression. Mm -hmm. Which, don't get me wrong, is also important, but, like, when that's the only role that Black people have to play on Broadway is chorus or slave, you know, like, that's not okay. Yeah. So anyway, I just the importance of this show. Like I I seriously can only think of Passing Strange as another show that centers the experience of a fat, black, queer man. Um, um or I I don't know, passing queer. I was like maybe. fat, I don't know. But, yeah, yeah. Fat yeah. especially <laughs> queer. Like it's kind of implied that he's like open and passing strange, whereas this is all like yeah. unapologetically fat, unapologetically mm-hmm. black, unapolog- unapologetically queer. And all of those things are central to this show. Like, I don't think it would work with a fit black queer man. I don't think it Mm -hmm. would work with a fat white queer man. You know, like all of these identities are so integral to the show. And I think that all of them get like a level of respect and like spotlight from from Michael R. Jackson, the writer. So I just think that's incredible. Um, Something I think is really cool that I don't think we see a ton of is so much of a strange loop portrays like what an artist's relationship is with their art and that is such a big part of creating art is like Mm -hmm. the fear of how those around you are going to perceive it like the truths that your art might inevitably reveal about yourself that You might not be ready to reveal to other people or the world Mm um or like the ways in which and i think this is the most important the ways in which our art can affect our real life relationships with people yeah and i think that is the biggest one that we explore in a strange loop which is like how usher's musical that he's writing is like kind of this inevitable I don't know if it's like a breakup with his family it's um, a takedown of
1: his parents or at least from what I can yeah yeah.
2: it's all of it um and it's like that's terrifying like even Mm. even like I I definitely have had my fair share of like conflict and issues with my family like I I have a I feel like a complicated relationship where I, I I'm incredibly grateful for what I have and love them and like I have really like harsh truths that we have, you know, given to each other. And
0: yeah.
2: for the thought of like revealing that so vulnerably on stage, for me, which I would say is not even anywhere near the like harshness of the truth that Usher deals with. Mm-hmm. It's ter- It's like paralyzing to me. So yeah. I think that's an incredible like portrayal is a lot of the story is like this fear around putting that out into the world. And then the last like straight thought I have, I just think the staging of A Strange Loop is genius. Mm -hmm. Um, it is so minimalist for like 90% of the show, um, with like a surprise at the end that I'm not gonna spoil, but like they end up basically they're only using like half the stage for for most of the show. Uh Um, and all the staging is pretty minimal, like for his. The biggest we get really is like we get a desk and his papers that represent, you know, the area in his room where he does his writing. And then there's like these like column mirror kind of things that the thoughts, uh I, I didn't even talk about the thoughts. So the thoughts, uh, the, you know, the only like actual. T
1: H O T S.
2: Yes, exactly. Okay. The only actual character in A Strange Loop is Usher. The other six actors um, and actresses are thoughts, um, both versions yes <laughs> yes um and they they represent kind of like usher's intrusive thoughts whether which might represent real people in his life like his family but also represent like his view of his self-image his um you know what he thinks broadway critics will think like all these different people
0: mm-hmm.
2: um and they kind of exist in these like mirror-esque like things that they come in and out of Um, and I kept finding myself thinking when I was seeing it that the show, that the staging specifically was really cool, but I also was just kind of suspicious because I was like, I know there's so much of the stage they are not using, Mm -hmm. like if, if they're not using it, why aren't they in a smaller theater? Like, is something going to happen? And it does. Um, and there's like a huge, a huge set that's kind of like hiding this whole time that, Mm -hmm. that becomes apparent later. Um, and it's right at the climax. It like gives total chills um, and in, it's incredible. Like it's jaw-droppingly good. good. It's an mm. amazing use of like a stage reveal. And I think it's a, like, I don't know. I I think we may or may not discuss Bands Visit. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> but like Bands Visit I think has a similar vibe maybe less with the staging and more with just the show in general where like mm-hmm. a lot of it is kind of monotonous until the end where all this stuff comes together and like I have mixed opinions on whether or not that payoff is really worth it I mm-hmm. could not feel more strongly about Strange Loop that it is absolutely worth the payoff in Strange yeah. Loop huh. so yeah those are some some straight thoughts um and then there's three like themes that I want to, to discuss The first one, and this is the one where I do feel like my acknowledgement about my role really comes into play, is that Mm -hmm. this is totally my biased perspective. And like, I'm welcome to be wrong here and to hear other opinions. But a big thought that I kept having during and after the show is like, who is this show for? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's a really tough question. And I think it sparked a lot of thought for me because it is... Like I was saying, it's an unapologetically Black show completely by Black people, like the entire Mm -hmm. cast. And I think it's also primarily for Black people and like, period, I absolutely think that's true. A -hmm. parallel truth that I think exists at the same time is that I think a lot of this show is purposefully meant to be seen by non-Black people, especially by white people, and to make them uncomfortable. Uh Uh-huh. and I think a big part of the show is like literally wanting to make it to Broadway while also acknowledging what that means for the show. Like yeah. acknowledging that if you make it to Broadway, you're going to be seven Black-ass performers performing for majority white audience. White
0: people. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The show explores that a lot, I think. Like the dichotomy of like, who who is this for? Like, we're trying to get on broadway but why like why do we want this show to be seen by all these you know stuffy white people mm-hmm. um that like aren't going to truly get the essence of what this show means mm-hmm. um and because of the nature of this show being so meta and self-referential like that's a plot point is is usher is constantly worried about on one side being perceived by black people as pandering to mm-hmm. the white audience And then also being perceived by white people as too Black for Broadway. My opinion is that what results is a show that somehow expertly manages to address the nuances of both of those without compromising any of Usher's truths. Um, And I think that like it really is for both and all audiences. Again, I'm saying that not to take away from like the meaning that it has for Black people, but I think that like part of the point is to make people uncomfortable and I don't think that the Black people are supposed to be the ones uncomfortable in this situation as much do as they,
1: people. do they like like how meta do they get with that stuff like are they like referencing the audience that is directly in front of them yes or like okay yes
2: they do <laughs> also um kind of like I, there were I think three couples that I saw leave during the show really oh, yeah all older white people like but during
1: like, intermission or are you just like no
2: there's no intermission
1: oh my god <laughs> yeah. that's so yeah. rude
2: <laughs> I, yes but like I I seriously think that people are like oh Tony nominated show oh best musical like let's go see this and had to confront they don't expect radical truth yeah exactly yeah. and and we're called out like I mean I'm not saying like they're not like pointing at you and be like hey you (laughs) but like it is it is very much criticizing the average Broadway goer um and I think a really a really good and needed way so I love that that is like not just I I love that who this is for is thought of so much in the Mm -hmm. actual plot of the show like Usher is writing and is literally like black people are going to think this about me white people are going to think this about me how do i show that i'm not pandering to white people i'm not a a big in this show is tyler perry and like (laughs) (laughs) kind of tyler perry representing this like capitalist black person Uh who like yes has has simultaneously made massive strides created thousands of really amazing acting opportunities and jobs for black people and also portrays these like caricatures of like mm-hmm. a fat black woman in a, in a literal fat suit, who is the epitome of like every caricature of a black person you can think of mm-hmm. um, on that. So that's on one side, but then on this other side is like, that's, that's kind of, I think in Usher's mind writing about black people for white people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's also thinking about how to, how to do that and stay true to himself for black people. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that's a really, really incredible dynamic and also leads into the next point that I want to talk about, which is Broadway, which I would I would say Broadway is kind of a character in this show. <laughs> is um, New York City
1: a character
2: in the show? <laughs> yeah. I would say he is extremely aware of the space that he's inhabiting being on Broadway, not at all afraid to reference that or criticize it. Also, like side note, I sincerely hope that this show has so much success, so many tours and and whatever is goes on West End, like all the great things. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I think that like part of what makes this show work so uniquely well is having the platform of Broadway.
1: Do you think that's changed? Like have did they change stuff like um when Mine's it was off question. Broadway or like I, yeah?
2: I don't know for sure. I have listened to the the Off Broadway cast album and a lot of it is the same. Mm-hmm. And I think that like I don't I think that Broadway was the goal. Um,
0: yeah. so
2: like I I do think I mean, that that was part of the original intention. I could be wrong there, but part of the show is like subverting Broadway as an institution. And mm-hmm. I don't just mean like I think that there are other shows that subvert what it means to be a Broadway show this takes that to a whole nother level. Like this subverts the institution of Broadway. Yeah. um, Which I have never seen before. So yeah, I thought I think that's amazing. But just just to give an example, the show talks about like, and, and this is in some of the songs, I wouldn't say this is a spoiler, but it talks about like, what what are the types of things that you can't do on Broadway? And towards the beginning, they give an example of like saying the N-word. It's like, we can't, like that's Broadway, you can't say the N-word. Um, yeah. And simultaneously defies all of those constraints that they put on themselves. And like truly has, to me maybe, that I've seen maybe the most spine chilling use of the N-word. That made the entire audience like extremely uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I guess, minor spoiler alert. Like, I'm not going to talk about actual plot points. It is one of the songs, but if you don't want anything, skip to 10 seconds ahead or whatever. Um, there's a scene <laughs> with uh, where he's like basically on a hookup. But he's on grinder and, and yeah. he meets up with this like older white guy. And a big part of it is that he's like, I want, I want to be with a black person but like the Black queer community doesn't want me, like as a, as a fat person, as and straight up, like as someone without a big dick, he says, um, mm. like all, all of these different things. And this older white guy now starts to kind of get into this like race play, like dominating mindset and like calls him a hard R inward Ooh. during sex, like on stage. It's so uncomfortable, yeah. like it's really hard to watch um and I have to imagine it's based in a really real and terrible experience Mm -hmm. um but again like that kind of thing happening on a Broadway stage is not I think what you would expect and again I think it's part of the point Mm
0: -hmm.
2: um and then the last thing the last point that I think I want to spend the most time on and uh what I think is like a central question of a strange loop Actually, I'll start by giving some, some credit. I was watching this review on YouTube by someone named Amanda Almanord, I think. Oh, so sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Um, but great video. Definitely recommend you check them out. They were pointing out how so much of the show revolves around this question of, like, whether or not people can change. And that is, like, a great question. I am, like, such an optimist in that sense. I know. Like, I have no, like <laughs> yes, people can change. Yeah. Um, But so much of a strange loop is like inhabiting. I don't know if you know about the concept of a strange loop, like separate from the show.
1: Yes, Um, I looked it up on Wikipedia.
2: (laughs) Yeah, So for our our listeners, basically, the concept of a strange loop is, I think it actually originally was with music, but also kind of became more philosophical applications about like consciousness, and Mm -hmm. this idea that like, we can make we can make movements upwards and downwards and all around, but ultimately we're kind of stuck in this like loop of ego and consciousness of like, mm-hmm. we are just a collection of memories, you know? Like what you perceive as yourself is, is yes, based on your real life experience, but it's also based on the story that you tell yourself. And I think that's yeah. why the thoughts are so pivotal is because, you know, they're his thoughts. They're not necessarily reality. I think that for the majority of the show, we're kind of wondering, like, are the people in his life, mainly his mother and father, are they going to be mm-hmm. able to change and accept him? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's important to remember that, like, all, every single piece of dialogue in this show is not real. It might be based in his experiences and in his reality, but they're all conversations he's having with the thoughts. himself, yeah. So while they might be true experiences they're also imperfect because they're his perception Mm -hmm. not the reality and where this like really comes into play is at the end and this is going to get into some spoiler territory so i would skip like one minute ahead if you if you don't want any spoilers at all um this really comes to a head where usher's mom at the end asks him like is he basically has terrible depictions of them and, and like they are the true villains in his life Mm -hmm. um is kind of how they're shown and and she says like do you really want to end this show with this hateful characterization of your parents and usher says something to the tune of like i i'm trying to depict life as it was for me when i was 17 and his mom or rather like the thought thought. that is representing his mom says well you're 26 now and Mm -hmm. in order for him to change the way he perceives his parents And therefore, in many ways, himself, because of the thoughts that his parents represent, like, to change that, he has to change. He can't Mm -hmm. wait on them. It's not about them. It's about his internal truth. Spoiler end. That's where it ends. (laughs) (laughs) We're coming back. Uh, We're back. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, like, again, it brings us back to this central question of, like, can people change? And I think that the show concludes and I don't think that. It does kind of conclude that change is an illusion and that we're caught in this strange loop. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna add an asterisk to that because my interpretation, again, please tell me if you feel differently, but my interpretation is like, part of what makes a strange loop as a concept, not the musical, um, strange mm-hmm. and not just a loop is that it's not the same. like. Not to bring it back to the hero's journey. (laughs) Oh my God, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. I think the hero's journey is a strange loop in that you're starting in this place, you kind of, you know, descend, you go through your perils, you come back up and you're back where you started, but you're not the same. You know, you've had all of these experiences and new perspectives and you've torn down walls and you might be in a similar place to where you started, but it's clear that it's not quite the same. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what is what makes this whole thing a strange loop and it kind of starts where it ends strange and it's quite the paradox and I think it's executed perfectly and I love this show and I can't wait to see it again and Sammy if you are in New York we are going to see it together.
1: okay I really want to see it I really do
2: If you don't don't want to
1: come (laughs) to New York, I know I'm looking at my calendar now. I'm like, when can I go to New York? Oh God. Um, that was lovely. I'm, I'm really excited. I hope I get to see it at some point or make more pro shot versions of things. Like someone film it. All right. Okay. Um, let's get into recreate. Mine is super silly, but it involves your help. So, um, (laughs) so basically I got really into this idea of the Cuban Missile Crisis musical. <laughs> um, and I was like, wow, like what other games could we use? Like what game should we use as a metaphor for like the Cuban Missile Crisis? And then I was like, there are a ton of events in the Cold War. Like you said, it took place over what, like 50 years or something like, it's like 19, yeah. it's like right after World War II to the Berlin Fall in 89. It's a long time. So i was like that's a lot of events that took place in the span of like one long historical era um including the cuban missile crisis so i was like let's think of some games that could serve as the metaphor for these events in the musical depiction of them so i i like didn't want this to go on for so so long. So basically, like I'm gonna give you five events and then give you five games, okay, and then you have I'm to ready. like put them together. Mix and match. If, yeah. So and I have I have mine too, so we'll see how similar they are. Okay. Um so we have a Cuban Missile Crisis, that's mm-hmm. one. Um, then our next like event, I guess, is the space race. Okay. Um, and then we also have the arms race, it's like bombs stuff. Yep. Speaking of yep. bombs, we have kind of the berlin wall as a concept so just this idea of like division between communist and capitalism or you know east and west whatever and then we have the gulf of tonkin so like this was the event that basically jump started if i'm remembering this correctly if i'm remembering my a bush jump started the u.s's involvement in the vietnam war and it's like a lie basically so like the u.s basically said that like there was an attack um in the gulf of tonkin i believe and there wasn't but it like was the catalyst to them like starting the u.s to start engaging more um fervently in the vietnam war if there's history major out there please like give some more context but that is the context i have for you for the purposes of this game and then the games themselves are poker texas hold'em specifically um dominoes <laughs> <laughs> scrabble <laughs> monopoly and battleship okay so i have mine so we if you like need to take time to think about it we can cut yeah, it down <laughs> but...
2: i'm gonna be ready in just a second am okay. I have a more left cool okay i have mine
1: okay you go first and then i'll tell you what i thought okay
2: for cuban missile crisis i said scrabble Okay. Kind of like lost in translation energy. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Awesome. Okay. Um,
2: for the space race, I did Monopoly. Um, kind of like trying to, I don't know, like to win it all first, basically was what I was thinking. Okay. For Berlin Wall, I did Battleship. Okay. Kind of in a pretty literal way, actually, like the wall in the middle, plotting mm-hmm. on each side, was what I was thinking. Okay. For Gulf of Tonkin, I said dominoes, so kind of like that lie, but the domino effect that it had. Okay,
1: okay. And then
2: for arms, oh, I wait for arms race. I said <laughs> Texas hold'em poker
1: okay gotcha okay so i also said it's kind um, of like
2: bluffing your like you know, what yeah you
1: okay that's good for keeping missile crisis i also did scrabble
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> mostly i think because i think it sounds like scramble and i feel like everyone <laughs> was like ah! <laughs> like yeah. why do we you know um for the space race i said poker a lot for the same reason you did for was it arms race like everyone's holding their yep. moves close to their chest yeah um for the berlin wall i did dominoes because i felt like that sort of symbolized Mm -hmm. like um the wall falling and then it actually does fall (laughs) um and then for gulf of tonkin i did battleship because it's in the (laughs) 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 war. and then arms race i did monopoly because it feels like a money game i -hmm. guess yeah i guess you could say that about like any of these as well but it felt like it feels like the most financially
0: <laughs>
1: thing I don't know there we go
2: <laughs> which of those would you most want to be made into musical?
1: I honestly think maybe I don't know if Gulf of Tonkin would like make the best <laughs> subject matter for a musical but Battleship the musical sounds kind of fun
2: yeah that does I think I want like, the space race as Monopoly the musical
1: that sounds fun to me too the dominoes <laughs> berlin wall one could be fun yeah like pushing back and forth but battleship the musical and it could like star rihanna because she was in that battleship movie <laughs> and i think taylor kitch is in that movie too so tim riggins and rihanna can star in the musical right and it'll be great
2: okay we just gotta get tim curry on board <laughs> yeah, i know
1: <laughs> i'm sure Not what's bad. he
2: doing you know <laughs> um okay love that okay so mine is kind of interesting so some preface before i get into it so usher's thoughts like do not hold back when it comes Mm -hmm. to like the intrusive thoughts and self-hatred and all that stuff that clearly stifle his mind and creative abilities So much so that you really want to, like, tell them the fuck off. Like, you want him to, like, stand up to them to recognize their fabricated nature as thoughts and not reality. Mm -hmm. So, like, the reality is I wouldn't actually change anything about Strange Loop, but I do think it'd be incredibly satisfying to see Usher, like, tell his thoughts off. And what better way to do that than to borrow from another very meta, albeit much less profound, show... Title of show, which we did <laughs> in season one. Oh my,
1: my God. In one of
2: my favorite numbers, Die Vampire <laughs> Die. So, okay. if you're unfamiliar with Title of Show, there's a song called Die Vampire Die that's, that's basically great. about naming the things that are preventing you from creating art. And, like, you kind of name them as different vampires in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in the context of Title of Show, they, they literally say a vampire is any person or thought or feeling. That stands between you and your creative, and creative self-expression, self-expression. And they can assume many seductive forms. <laughs>
1: Here's a few, <laughs> a few of them. them.
2: Spoiler alert, Sammy and I both performed this song. You can we definitely did. find it on YouTube. I'll leave it <laughs> up to you to find. Um, we
1: should put it back out there.
2: <laughs> so there are three types of vampires in um, title of show. So I wanted to like uh, see those vampires and then see what their version would be in um, a strange loop. Cool. So in title of show, there's pygmy vampires. Um, they're like little gnats that are like small things that say you're not good enough. You went there's, to state school? Yeah. <laughs> se- Sondheim, you better and them. better than you. And better than you. Then there's air freshener vampires, which are <laughs> represented by like your old, fat, old, fat ass, fat fucking uh, F- the Aunt fanny. <laughs> fucking fanny. <laughs> um, and it's basically like the idea like of like thinking of like what would your grandmother think if they saw this like the idea of editing out cuss words and sex scenes for fear of offending someone like that Mm -hmm. um and then the last is the vampire of despair which is kind of like the inner critic and the thought the part of you that tells yourself you're not gonna succeed so here are my three strange loop vampires the first is the race vampires um so it kind of addresses the question of like is it too black is it too too white whatever so they'll say that you're, and, and I'm kind of pulling lyrics from Thy Vampire, okay. Vampire. So they'll say that your work isn't black enough, that your work is too black, and that you'll never find the right balance. Kirsten Hughes, and Houston did it before <laughs> you and better than you. <laughs> or <Story laughs> Neil Hurston, Langston Hughes, and Whitney Houston.
1: Nice. <laughs>
2: um, the second, which represent the Air Freshner vampires, are the Broadway vampires. So they'll say that a show like this could never exist on broadway who's it even for you need to clean things up what will the majority white audiences think nice and then the last the vampire of despair is the strange loop vampire Mm -hmm. so getting stuck in a cycle of self-hatred preventing you from accessing your inner muse no matter how harsh extreme or straight up wrong that voice is it still somehow sounds like the voice of reason And so according to the song Die, Vampire, Die, and to quote my uh, dear friend and uh, collaborative partner, Sammy Purcell, oh baby, you must escape and grab it by the nape of its neck and by the trachea. Fucking break it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fucking break it go on drive a steak in it yeah there's no mistaken now you're shaking bacon <laughs> it was really hard trachea is a yeah. great word <laughs> and i also during that part is when i like literally wrap my hands around your neck I,
1: <laughs> I know and i got picked up like a dead yeah. person oh my god those, what a time um, to be those, alive those
2: thoughts those vampires in usher's head can just die and I think that's what they did to end up creating this masterpiece of A Strange story.
1: Yeah. oh, that was sweet. Oh, okay. Well, we did it in under an hour. Yeah, Sorry, I'm that was our goal today.
2: <laughs> I have maybe we'll show, I had like little time cards I was showing. <laughs> but, well, I'm a super excited about this set, but also even, maybe even a little more for next week, uh, which also is? is a really timely, I think, episode um but next week's episode's theme is Sondheim oh, um so we're recording this about I don't know two months or so after um his passing three maybe I don't even know. time is a no show. way but
1: more than that I feel like I Wait, how has it it's been, been that long hold on we're gonna look it up um it's been <laughs> he tied in November last year
2: oh my god wow yeah. it feels a lot more recent it does Uh, okay three months uh, ago anyway we're gonna be doing two Sondheim shows I guess I'll give a quick caveat now before next week's ep drops which is that we've already done (laughs) like most Sondheim shows I I don't know I don't know if they're gonna be deep cuts but they're maybe not the like traditional Sondheim you think of right away but nonetheless Mm -hmm. really excited to talk about both of them
1: oh my gosh I'm so excited
2: can't wait Well, we will see you next week. And thank you for tuning in.
1: Thanks, everyone. Bye.
2: Bye.